everybody. Welcome back to The Smattering, where we like to ask the important questions about investing. I am Jason Hall. Jeff Santoro, the voice of the people. Should I just start calling you voice or VP? No, I, I like the full introduction. I don't want it to be shortened at all. That's, that's fair. That's fair. New listeners, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get it, so we have to... That's right. Yeah. I mean, they, they still don't get it, but that's, that's not the point. Is it, Jeff? No. Let's just, do a podcast. Know, I'm the voice of the people. That's what they need to know. You are. You're, you, and, and, that is, and that is right. And that is true. So today... Big title, big, big title. Is it time to sell stocks? Yeah. Jeff, it's been a brutal year. It's not just it's not just stocks, right? It's bonds, real estate's getting kind of weird. Rising interest rate is right rising interest rates is, you know, it's kind of it's messed up a lot of stuff. What's where's your head? Where's my head? Well, my head is thinking about what we're going to talk about, which is pulling some weeds. That's where my head is right now. And I think it was spurred on by last week's like crazy two days on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. So we're recording this on November 15th. So last Thursday, I believe it was, Jeff. Yeah. Yep. The We got the inflation report and inflation was... Fantastic. And by fantastic, I mean, it was still would have been the highest levels in the past four decades. Right. But it was far less worse than expected. And there is some like sequentially, again, looking at year over year, like 7.7% is crazy high inflation. But sequentially, things are starting to normalize a little bit. It looks like that's positive. Right? And the market telegraph this is like, yeah, the Fed's not going to raise rates ever again. They're probably going to start cutting them in six months. Let's have the best day since 2020, right? And that's basically what happened. Yeah, it was bananas, absolutely bananas. And I, we had a good six months on Thursday. Yeah, that is exactly right. We had a good six months on one day, and then and then Friday wasn't too shabby either. I mean, not nothing. It was another good day. Right, good day. So yeah, you put Thursday and Friday together, and again, the market looking at the historical returns of the S and P five hundred uh, total returns nine ten percent somewhere right in there is is what you get, and I think we got like seven percent on Thursday and Friday. It was yeah. just remarkable. It was absolutely a remarkable level of 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 return, and it's interesting, right, Jeff? So even after even after that year. Or that 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 those couple of good days, and the S and P is still down. I don't know, sixteen, seventeen percent since the beginning of the year. You know, it's still a bad year, right? And it's this is a long bad year. This is November, right? And we're talking about the 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 indices peaked the first week of trading with like the first three days of trading, all the major indices had hit their peak. Okay, so here we are, right? We have a great day, and it got me thinking about this. And some of our followers on Twitter got me thinking about it. Jeff, this is something you and I've talked about. We've talked about it on, on different episodes. You mentioned it on last week's episode, the, that the, how we invest series that we did the four part episode, the the four part show that we did. And the last one was when to sell stocks. And like one of the, one of the things that you talked about is the idea of pulling weeds, right? Finding, not selling a stock because it's gone down, 
but looking through your portfolio and finding the businesses that are no longer delivering to whatever your thesis is, and you can't find a thesis that says going forward, I want to continue to own this business, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and just speaking personally, you know, I, prior to last Thursday, I think I was at 86 or seven, 86 or 87 stocks in my portfolio. And I would venture to say that a good chunk of them, I don't know the exact number, were ones that I bought a few years ago when I was really brand new to investing. And I bought them on borrowed conviction. You know, I bought them because someone I respected was talking about them or you heard they were good stocks. Right. And I did enough, I would say, due diligence to like not follow like crazy FOMO rocket ships on Twitter kind of stocks. But as I was going through my portfolio, actually frequently over the last couple weeks and months, and you and I have talked about this offline about when to pull weeds and what companies we no longer have conviction in and just and sort of checking each other to make sure we're not reacting to just simply the stock price. Um, I think you and I had the same thought on Thursday, which was, this is sort of the perfect day to actually do some of that weed pulling that we had been talking about. So I went through and I went, you know, I I looked at the companies that I no longer really had high conviction in or never really did and and bought for maybe not great reasons years ago that I was slow to sell because again, I'm not trying to be in and out of stocks constantly. Um, And then there's a tax harvesting piece of that, which we can talk about later. Um, But that was sort of what what my process was, it I was, it was not a spur of the moment thing in the sense that I had been thinking about these specific companies for a while now. That was, it was just a culmination, right? It was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, and kind of got me, you know, from thinking about it to doing it. Yeah, you know, for I'll, I'll call your eighty-something stocks and I'll raise you at, at the peak. I had around one hundred and twenty. And now I have 106 stocks. And I, I think there's some context that's important to in thinking about like investing style. Jeff, if I, you know, I run this, it's, it's almost like a mini VC fund where I, I do invest in more speculative stuff. I invest in companies that aren't profitable yet, but I like their, like their cash flow profile. I like the margins that they're getting. I like the addressable market my version of the addressable market, not the one they put in their investor presentation. And I see some margin of safety, right? And taking on a little bit of risk, giving them some time to prove it. And a lot of them don't, right? A lot of them, like this great idea never materializes. But I keep that starting position small enough that it was never necessarily substantially relevant, right? Create like a material risk if it doesn't go well. And if it does go well, I see it, I notice it, I'm, I'm, I tend to focus more on those companies, follow them more, um, and I will buy on strength, right? I will dollar cost average up on a winning company. I'm more than happy to do that. Um, But one of the results of that, just like with venture capital firms, is they may invest in 10 or 20 firms, and a, a goodly size of them never pan out, right? That actually you know, they, they lose money, right. As an investment, but they get the one that's, you know, and, and a lot of times in those cases, you know, it's from that initial seed round, maybe it's a hundred X, you know, and they, again, they dollar cost average up too. They invest in these other series A and series B at higher valuations. Right. So I kind of think about that same approach with, 
my growth portfolio. So that number can be a mis- little bit misleading, going from almost 120 stocks to 106. Each one of those is not necessarily an equal percentage of my portfolio, right? So all that to say, one of the things that we talked about in that, you know, how we invest series is regularly going through my portfolio and looking for the underperformers, right? And not, again, not selling a stock because it's down, but thinking about all of the things that went into the thesis, reevaluating the business and the climate as it exists today, and what can it do going forward? I tweeted this out. If you're not buying stocks because they moved up a lot last week, that's recency bias. If you're buying because they're still way down, that's price anchoring. And there's a lot of people that are doing that, right? You're, you're literally looking at what stocks did last week and you're making a decision. You're looking at stocks where they were a year ago and you're making a decision. And it's human nature. We're wired that way. And you know you have to think, where is the business now? What is it valued at today? What is the cost of capital going forward if it needs to raise capital? Like all of those inputs and then make an evaluation based on where we are right now. Yeah. And I want to hit on two things you said. So one is that I I love the fact that we're having an opportunity to talk through like our different sort of investing styles, because for me, it's part of an evolution of how I've like kind of changed as an investor in terms of like portfolio size. Like I, I totally resonate with the way you think of it, where I'll take these small speculative bets. They're in my portfolio. I'm more likely to pay attention to them. I'm going to notice things more if they're in my portfolio than if they're not. And that's part of the reason I, because I used to have around the same amount of stocks as you do when I was, because like when I was brand new to this, like everything looked awesome and shiny and I wanted to try it out and I had it in my portfolio. Again, really small amounts because I wasn't, I was smart enough to know I shouldn't back up the truck as I was a brand new investor. Um, But as just, just, just me personally, like as I've gotten, you know, a little bit more experienced, I like keeping track and knowing the companies so much. Like I enjoy that process that like having too many starts to like stress me out because I don't know them all as well as I, I want to. So like I have found myself sort of striving for concentration over time. Um, and it's just interesting that like I'm, I'm curious to see how like I continue to sort of evolve and how I think about that kind of stuff as time goes on. Um, the other thing you said that I think is really important to talk about is like we're talking about using Thursday's huge jump as like a catalyst to sell. And I don't want to make it seem like either of us did it because we were looking at like Really, at the like the extra. That's just FOMO, right? If that's if we're just doing it because the market's up, right? Like it, it was nice for me to like sell something for a loss of twenty three percent instead of a loss of twenty seven percent. But you know, like they were small positions for me, so like it wasn't going to like change the world. But I want to point out that the next day, when the market had just gone up some crazy amount on Thursday, and then on that Friday it was up again, I did my normal weekly buying. Now I usually do it on Wednesday, but I was on vacation. Um, and I even said to you, like, I, I'm fighting the, I'm fighting it because like, it's hard to do that on like a super green day. Um, and you were like, dude, you're the guy who buys every week. Like you gotta be you. And, and so I, I, I appreciated that sort of, uh, check. Um, but I, again, it was like a good sort of reminder for me, like, that's my investing strategy, at least how it is right now, right? I'm a dollar cost averager for, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. So, and all um, it takes, Jeff, is all it takes is one day, one time where something like Thursday happens to get you off your game, 
and you start anchoring on the prices from that day, and then maybe the market goes on another good run for a couple weeks, and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to wait a little longer. And then six months go by, and you're sitting on all this cash, right? Right. And you have or not... You, you, or, or even to take an even shorter term look at it, like you could miss another really strong day, right? So yeah. today yeah. was another, just as an example, today was another good day in the market, right? right? So I theoretically could have bought something on Friday that went up you know, a decent chunk today. And that would have been one right. of the best days for that stock over the next couple of years. You just don't know those things. So like, again, it, it, it gets into market timing. It gets into trying to be, you know, too cute by half and, and, and too clever. Um, and so, you know, it, it, we're talking about sort of using a, a big market up day to sell. And it wasn't really, that wasn't the reason for either of us. I don't Jeff, think how it long was have you just, and I've been having the conversations about some of these, these weeds in our portfolio. Like, yeah, like on, almost on a daily basis. Months. Yeah. Months. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's the thing, right? And, and so I want to, I want to do one thing I want to share. I'm going to share, I like doing this, like the public accountability is a big thing with me. So I'm actually going to share the stocks that I sold on, um, on Thursday. Now I sold some other stocks earlier in the week. I won't, I won't bring those in, but I want to share these. Um, because this is, I think this is one of those things that, that people also do. And after we do this, Jeff, I want to talk I want to get out of the weeds here. I want to. I want to talk. You see how? See what I did there? That's really clever, wasn't it? So I, I want to get get out of the I'm weeds. I'm amazed at your le- the level of cleverness that you bring to this podcast on a weekly basis, Jason. You should. You should be, Jeff. Because it is a level. That's that's all I can. Say. It is a level. That is true. Level. <laughs> I'm not sure what level it is, but it's a level. So, but but then I want to start talking bigger picture and thinking about strategically thinking about selling, right? Because I think we've got some good insights we can share there. But here, here are the stocks that I, that I sold. So the first one, this is one that I just uh, reduced my, my holding, and that's Visa. Incredible business, Jeff. Very well run. Um, not entirely a duopoly, but, you know, there's an oligopoly, right, of, of companies that do... Um, that have that on the rails like visa and mastercard and then you have the the closed loop of 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 discover and american express again north america there's other ones china has some other big stuff and that kind of thing but it is an incredibly high margin business probably better growth profile than people think okay hall why just sell it why just sell it um because i see better opportunities to deploy some of that capital right now and Again, that's probably the reason I thin my position. Um, I also own MasterCard. I own more MasterCard, and I didn't sell a single share of MasterCard, right? So just this is a little bit of a just kind of a strategic portfolio management thing. Now, I also completely finally sold Jeff Peloton Interactive. Oh, man. It's like the end of an era. It is. It is. It was a very short era. <laughs> but one we, one we talked about a lot over the short period, short history of this podcast. Yeah. That's it's true. That's true. It's like it's like having a baby, right? It's it doesn't last long, but it's really intense. And that was my Peloton <laughs> ownership. So Danimer Scientific, it's a microcap company. It was a SPAC. Need I say any more? Doximity, it's like a social networking sort of thing for physicians. Never really total, totally borrowed conviction there. Never got into the business. Block, also called Square. Uh, Nanox Imaging or Nano X Imaging, depending on who you are and how you pronounce it. And Snowflake. I sold, I sold all of these, right? And here's the thing. I could give you a good, a good buy thesis for every single one of those businesses. Peloton right now, 
maybe 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 underpriced for what the assets are really going to be worth in a fixed business model getting to scale generating free cash flow as a services focused business right so there's there's a there's a bull case there jeff well ahead. and i think that i want to just pause on that because i was thinking as you were going through it and i was looking at my own list um the one of the things that i sort of i wouldn't say struggled with but it didn't occur to me like when i was newer that i'm thinking now is like just because you sell a stock for whatever the reason is doesn't mean you can't later buy it again right yep. like yep. mistakes go both ways and right. sometimes you might sell something and then like something happens or you kind of go back and look at it again or the situation changes and you're like oh you know that was a mistake i probably should have held on to that and you know at least in my case most of what i sold was down so dramatically right from where i bought it and where it you know where it had been just all time highs wise like i could probably buy any number one of these back a year from now and still if i hold it for 10 or 15 years after that be all right um so that's just something i think is is it's worth thinking through like you know it's okay to admit you made a selling mistake and it's okay to rebuy a stock if you if you realize that mistake yeah and for and for peloton what it came down to is i bought it on borrowed conviction i know a ton about the business now and i think it's a turnaround play and it's just one that i'm not that compelled by right now i have other things that i'm far more interested in right so that's kind of where i am now danimer again this this was just a microcap spec that I got excited about because they do this renewable plastic thing, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's just not playing out, right? Doximity, Jeff, maybe the most uninteresting business in the entire world to me. I have no interest. There's a Japanese company that also does like this social network thing for physicians that I've done some research on, and like I just find them so fucking boring and they're probably fine businesses, but they're just, it's not for me. Right. And you talk about that, Jeff, you know, sometimes yeah, that's, that, the case. that's a big, that's a big thing for me. Like if I just don't care about it at all, like, cause again, it goes back to the whole idea of like, I really like the idea of thinking about investing as being an owner in a business, right? It's hard. I mean, we talk a lot about stocks and, and the price and, but like you really are getting, you really are owning a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of a business. So you know, just like if my friend came to me and was like, "Hey, I'm starting this business. Do you want to invest in it?" And it was something I could care less about. I'd be like, "No, that's boring and stupid, and I don't like it." Um, you know, and it's sort of the same thing, you know, on a very tiny scale. But no, I'm the same way, man. I need to, and it needs to be interesting to me, or else it's just not fun. And there's, it's not like there's a shortage of companies, right? <laughs> you know, there's, right. there's thousands of choices. You don't need to be, you know, be investing in things you don't care about. I want to I want to mention um, Block and Snowflake real quick too because right these are big businesses they're well established they have a lot of fans. Um, I struggle with Jack Dorsey companies, right? Twitter's was a mess when he was still the CEO, both times, um, and I, I just I struggle with Block with their focus on Bitcoin. Um, I own Bitcoin by the way. I bought Bitcoin recently. Um, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot with crypto that's just, just the hype. As you think about the innovation cycle and the hype cycle, what's happening right now, the thread has been lost in the popular consciousness with what, um, what crypto can do. Um, I think block is too focused on the worst crypto for a giant financial services company to build stuff on top of. Right. So that's why I sold block. 
Um, Snowflake is just, I mean, honestly, I think in a lot of ways, it's just too big for me for, for what it does. And I think I can buy smaller companies, emergent companies and get something I'm going to be happier with. Right. So what did I get? I got a couple percent of my portfolio back in cash, Jeff. So that's the answer to the question. What did you buy? I bought cash, right? I had, I had, I had, I've done a lot of buying over the past month before that, six weeks, or so, probably about the month before that. And I, my cash had gotten lower and now I'm back up to about 5% cash, which is kind of the max where I want to be. Yeah. I, so far I, I've bought cash as well. I've not, I've not decided where to put the money I got from those selves. Um, you know, maybe this week when I do my buying, I'll, I'll dig in a little bit. So one That's thing cool. I wanted to, one thing I wanted to, ask you about because I think this is a can be another kind of okay reason to sell or, or at least um, a reason to sell at a certain time of year in the companies that you no longer have conviction in. And that's the whole idea of, of tax loss harvesting, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, essentially, I believe the number is $3,000. You can you can take a loss on investments up to $3,000 and it lowers your, lowers your taxable income. Um, so what some people do is if you know you're going to sell a company, it's a big loser. You don't like it anymore. You're not. You don't have high conviction in it anymore. Um, a lot of people will do that near the end of the year because then you can get the tax benefit. Um, now there's some caveats to that, and and you can correct me if I'm missing any of these. But there's a there's something called the wash rule, which means if you buy that same stock back in any amount and in, in or in a different account doesn't matter you can't buy it back again for 30 days or yeah, else so you can't sell it in your taxable account and then go buy it buy in it your, your IRA or something yeah it or else you lose the, you lose the benefit of the of the wash right, right. you lose the you, it washes out the tax the benefit the buy washes so, out the sale you have to wait right. that minimum of 30 30 days right i believe it is yeah right i think it's 30 days so um but i i think that's just uh, you know since it is late in the year you know that was one thing that was on my mind which was you know Hey, we have this update. It kind of gave me a kick in the pants to do the thing I've been talking about doing. And oh, by the way, it'll be a little bit of a tax benefit for me when I go to file in the spring. Yeah, and that's in, and that's like from a strategic perspective, that's a thing to consider. Um, here's something we haven't I haven't talked about on here that's kind of in the same the same vein. Um, I, I did something similar with positions in a couple of. Stocks that I absolutely love. Should I tell the the good people at home what those stocks were? Yes, Jason. I should, right? <laughs> they're they're here listening. You might as well tell them. So, Jeff, the 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 two stocks that I sold, um, Central Pacific Financial, which is um, Central Pacific Bank, it's the parent company of that it's a bank in Hawaii. It's great dividend yield, solid business. They're building this amazing. Um, banking as a service business where they're like the bank for fintechs. I think it has a lot of growth potential. I think it's undervalued right now. And I sold EPR, EPR Properties. It's a REIT that I love. Yeah. Um, and like I sold a sizable amount of them um, specifically because they're in a taxable account and I'm looking to harvest the tax losses. And I'm I'm playing a game like I'm, I'm running through the, the, the train tunnel because you know what I'm going to do? The, the, the first market day that I get past the wash sale rule, I'm buying back 
either the number of shares, if the price has gone up from what I sold, or the dollar amount that I harvested, that I realized, if it's, if it's gone down more, right? So I'm taking on a risk that to save some money in taxes, I'm going to hurt myself by having to buy them back at a, at a higher price, right? So that's one of the risks. Um, if, if, you, if you're looking to maximize the tax benefits, and I mean, that three grand a year, that's, that's not a small amount of money, Jeff, right? Um, yeah, I mean. It's not the price of Disney for three days now, isn't it? $3,000? Yeah, feels like it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, and I would just add on to that, like, you know, if you, if you just do a simple Google search for wash rule, you know, go to Investopedia or whatever, you'll, you'll get all the information on this, you know, just throwing in an early disclaimer, we're not financial advisors thing here, but, yeah. um, it is a, it is a strategy that, um, a lot of people deploy every single year, um, yep. because you can sort of play the game as you were saying, like you can, you know, bail on it at any point in the year, you could sell it on January 1st, um, and then buy it on November 10th <laughs> and, and that's obviously past the 30 days and, um, you know, I, and I'm I, doing it too. I want to point this out real quick too, Jeff. I'm doing it with Central Pacific Financial is not volatile, right? It's not a volatile stock. And so I, the chances I, of it like going up 60% in the next 30 days are slim. That, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, it's going to be outside of its earnings period. There shouldn't be any, any weird news like that could affect it. And then EPR has been an underperformer and, but again, it should be kind of the same thing. It should be a pretty quiet period for the business. Um, and one of the things, too, is that sometimes when these stocks that are down for the year, you get into December, which is when the Washell rule will, you know, I'll, I'll get past that. You have owners like fund owners and stuff that they want that red off their books, right? They don't want to own down positions at, at the end of the year. So they start closing out those positions. The stock price could fall even more, right? So I could book the tax loss and then end up with more shares for the same dollars. I'm not doing this with, for example, again, here, November 15th, to your point, Jeff, C-Limited. What did C-Limited stock go up today? 40-something percent? It was, I think it was 36 when they closed, but it was 30, as high as 30, 40. Yeah, yeah. It closed up 36%. So, you know, that's... You know, so there is, a, I mean, so that that's worth pointing out. There is a risk, right? Yeah. There is the right. chance that you know you don't want to get too too clever, right? Because there is a right. risk that you sell something today and then in five weeks, you know, five days from now, ten days, twenty days from now, it jumps up forty percent because you never know. And um, I have a contract with myself, Jeff. So I, like you're saying, I started out with something that's less volatile, but I have a contract with myself that I will buy them back. I'm not going to fuck this up and talk myself out of it and wait. And anchor on the price and wait for it to come back down to the price that I, that I paid, right? Yeah. Um, so I I want to quickly, without going through every single stock that I sold, because I did sell a bunch of them. I want to like just quickly talk about one reason I sold what I did sell. So I I have I was very overly allocated to small, sometimes pre revenue, pre commercial commercially available product. Um, pharma biotech companies. Um, so out of, I was just looking as we were talking, out of the 12 stocks I sold on Thursday, seven of them were these tiny, tiny you know, biotechs that don't really have any products out yet. Um, and they were all down big and it was all borrowed conviction. But also what I've learned over the last couple of years is I don't want to have that much exposure to these really risky 
you know, tiny biotech companies. Now, I could end up being the biggest idiot in the world if one of these, you know, comes out with the next great multi-billion dollar, you know, drug. Um, but it was just, it was a sector I was, I felt I was too heavily allocated into um, in a space I'm not that comfortable with. And by the way, I still have a decent amount of exposure to that space through other companies I did not sell. Um, so I just wanted to mention it because I think it is another reason it's another weed pulling sort of factor is, you know, you might, you know, do you have is 80% of your portfolio in tech stocks or, you know, or whatever the sector is. Um, yep. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's another reason I did what I did. Yeah. And, and again, that makes sense because part of this too is like, and I think Jeff, and, and, and with, with those as an example, and then with some of the ones that I sold, you're managing yourself too, right? You're not just managing your portfolio, you're managing yourself and how you manage your portfolio to set yourself up to make more good decisions. Okay, so we talked about pulling weeds. And again, I mentioned Visa too, right? So sometimes it's not even just pulling weeds. Well, it's Yeah, I mean, that that's, I mean, I'm glad you talked about like trimming positions because like I don't, to be honest, I don't have enough that are big enough or I've had long enough where, you know, I can do that. But I, I do sort of understand and, and, and anticipate at some point I might be in that position where, you know, you can, without completely closing out a position, you can trim back and, and take a little off the table, so to speak, um, and use it for either this purpose, or sometimes you do that because you want to pay for a renovation in your house or whatever. You know, We invest for all, all types of different reasons. So um, selling can also mean trimming or selling some of. It doesn't always mean all of. Yeah. And I, I don't do that very often because we've talked about with different shows, often I'll do it for bad reasons. And I look like an idiot. If anybody's curious about that, listen to the prior episode. Mistakes were made. That's a Eas easily my favorite episode of <laughs> of our short run here. The thing is, Jeff, I've got other stupid stories of mistakes that I will I will share. So, Jeff, one of the like the the kind of the outshoots of of the market bouncing those big days. Um, it's kind of continued into this week. And then the decision that, that you and I had both kind of that culmination of, of pulling the weeds that we've talked about here, I decided to, to, to ask the Twitter, the Twitterverse, um, my dozens of followers. And I, and I tweeted out a poll. I said, did, did we see the stock market bottom for this cycle or is worse to come before we see, see a new market all time high. And the three, the three choices I gave were the worst is over just a bear market rally, meaning, we're seeing a rally, but it's gonna. We're gonna see another bottom, and then we are so screwed. Um, my favorite response, Jeff. Before I get you to give me your response, was our good friend Tyler Crow, who we will eventually have on this show, when he asked for the "I don't have a fucking clue" button, which is really the right answer. But you know, we, I wasn't looking for accuracy; I was looking for sentiment. Jeff, where do you stand? I mean, what's I think I voted for, um, you know, we're not out of the woods yet or whatever that, that option was. I or wasn't listening when you talked. Just um, a, most people don't. Yeah. Well, so I, I just, bear market rally. I think that's what you yeah, told me. Bear about. market rally. Cause I've been asked this question a bunch of times over the past year through conversations and, and stuff, you know, I've done on the Motley Fool live, live stream and stuff. And, um, you know, what I, what, what I keep thinking is, we were due for a year where the market would be down for the year, 
right? Like we've we've had you know twenty twenty one and twenty twenty, and if I remember correctly, twenty nineteen um, were all up years, and and twenty twenty and twenty twenty one were up years, you know, beyond the normal, you know, the annualized growth rate, right? They were pretty pretty good years overall. So it's sort of like we, I, I just can't shake this feeling that like we're due for like a solid, good, long, it ain't great stretch in the market. Um, it's you know, been but, a year, Santoro. Right. Well, that, but that's what I mean. So like I, part of me feels like maybe we're not completely done yet, but I do kind of wonder if the absolute worst is over. Like, you know, I, maybe we don't ever see the, the actual bottom again for a while, but I, I don't think like, I guess my point is I don't think Thursday and Friday were like the beginning of this like sort of straight rocket ship back up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Cause the other thing too is like, it could, we could just trade sideways for a couple months, you know, like, we could click the six month chart and see that it's like up 0.02% or something, you know, like that's another option too, where it doesn't crash anymore. It doesn't shoot up, but it just sort of, you know, meanders where it is. Um, but you know, no one really knows. It's just sort of for fun. What do you think? Where, where did you, I don't know if you answered your own poll, but what's your thought on it? You know, I'm, I'm, so there's the selfish part of me. So, so number one, so the market, the bottom, I think, was probably when was the bottom for the S and P? October, like mid October, so about a month ago. Right? Yeah, I mean, very unofficially, it looks like it was like yeah, middle of October, like the thirteenth ish. Yep. So, right. So, I mean, there's there's the bottom. Do I think that was the bottom? I want to like from an optimistic perspective, because one of the things that's happened over the past six months is the number of people I know that are living out of their portfolios, either semi-retired or retired, that are like excessively exposed to stocks. It, it kind of is, is boggled my mind, right? And, you know, I kind of like to see those people get a little bit of a break and see a little bit of a bull run, right? See the market recover and and maybe some of them will start diversifying into fixed income. Um, but then the selfish part of me is like, I would love another really crappy year because I'm in my peak earnings and I could selfishly maximize that, right? So I think the, 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 the obvious answer here is nobody knows and we don't know, but I, th- I think the, 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 the capital providers are trying to rationalize like the cost of money, Right going forward and what what is a reasonable rate of return you can expect from equities in in this interest rate regime and how different is the interest rate regime today going to look in a year or two years or five years right and and there's a lot of uncertainty there right the fact that we had the S&P 500 on a random Thursday in November had its best day since the bananas days that you were talking about during the pandemic, right? It tells me absolutely nobody has any idea. When the market moves that much, absolutely nobody has any idea. So here we are. Here we are. So my closing, my closing thoughts here, Jeff. Those stocks that I sold last week? Oh, guaranteed to go up. Oh, no. They're, they're, um, <laughs> only two of them have not gone up by double digits since I sold. <laughs> But they've all done better than the market. So, when do we start the reverse Jason Hall ETF like they have for Jim Cramer? Oh, like you should have started that two years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Jeff, this was fun. Yeah, man. I enjoyed this. Before we wrap up, um, I just want to remind everyone, you know, we want to thank you for for listening and subscribing and liking. And um, we've really been able to see the show spread. We're getting good feedback. And that's all because of people, you know, letting others know about it. Um, just a reminder, like giving us ratings on the podcast apps, giving us um, reviews is really, really helpful. It helps the algorithms feed the show to more people. Um, checking out our YouTube channel and doing the same there, subscribing and liking the videos is really helpful for us. Uh, if you're enjoying the content, um, we'd really appreciate it if you let more people know about it. Um, and don't hesitate to reach out. You can you can get to us on Twitter at the at Smattering Show or email at thesmatteringshow at gmail.com. And that's it. All right, friends. Like we always end this, you know, we like to ask these hard questions about investing and give our own answers, but it's up to you to find your own answers to life's hardest investing questions. You can do it, except for you. You know who you are. The rest of you, you got it. All right. See you next time, Jeff. See you next time.